sister or, or your loved one or your neighbor, you are first sinning against God. Every sin, every single sin is against God first. Satan not only wants us to doubt God's goodness, but as well as sin's badness. Barnhouse writes, Satan in the flesh will present a thousand reasons to show how good it would be to disobey his command. Here, he does give some reasons, doesn't he? He says, you're not going to die, so sin's not that bad. Sin doesn't bring death. And he says, and God's, God is keeping something from you that you, you would enjoy, that you, you would love. Sin is twisting this message around. The final enticement, as Guzik writes, is most powerful because it was how Satan himself fell, wanting to be equal with God. Eve tried to become a God herself by her rebellion against God. That's the same thing that Adam does. It's the same thing that every single sinner that has ever been alive has ever done. What sin does is not only disobeys God and His law and His rule, but it then puts us in our own mind in the place where only God belongs. It makes ourselves like God. That we can decide what is right. We can decide what is wrong. We can decide what is fair, unfair, good, helpful, fruitful, or not. We can decide what is best for us. We can't. Furthermore, but God doth know, as as the Candide commentator puts it, but God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, doing good and evil. This is to say, it is not because the fruit of the tree will injure you that God has forbidden you to eat it, but from ill will and envy because he does not wish you to be like himself. A truly satanic double entendre in which a certain agreement between truth and untruth is secured. By eating the fruit, man did obtain the knowledge of good and evil in this respect, become like God, verse 7, and then later on in 22. This was the truth which covered the falsehood. Ye shall not die. And turned the whole statement into a lie, exhibiting its author as the father of lies, who abides not in the truth, John 8.44. For the knowledge of good and evil which man obtains by going into evil, is as far removed from the true likeness of God which he would have attained by avoiding it, as the imagery, uh, Im- imaginary liberty of a sinner which leads into bondage to sin and ends in death is from, the truth, from true liberty of a life of fellowship with God. And what we find is that today there are plenty who say, well, I can't become a Christian because then I have to give up all these things that I so much enjoy. Right? I have to give up this, I have to give up that. Once you know that the things that the world views as acts of their freedom are truly acts of their bondage to sin. You and I, when we are freed from sin, then do then and only then do we realize that how sin had bound us up and kept us locked up, how we were slaves to sin, and now we become servants of Christ our King. That we we go from death to life, we go from being bound to sin, bound to our father the devil to now being free in Christ. Free to live. To truly live. And free to love the Lord our God. Free to follow Him. There is freedom in Christ. I want to uh, share with you uh, this tonight. Sorensen writes, and I, I think he puts it probably best um, out, of, out of a lot of folks here. He says, the reference to them being gods, knowing good and evil was ironic. To this point, neither Eve nor Adam knew anything about evil. Let's pause there for just a moment. You ever thought about that? Remember back in, at the end of chapter 2, they were both naked and not ashamed. Why were they not ashamed? Because they did not know that there was shame. They, they were not afraid of God 
until they were afraid of God. Right? They did not know fear until they knew fear. Right? Until they knew that there was sin. Until something had been done inside of them to separate them from God. He continues and he says, All they had experienced was God's goodness to them. In a perverse way, the devil was partially right. After he had enticed them to sin, they did come to know the distinction between good and evil. However, it was from the sinner's perspective and not that of an infinitely holy God. However, Adam and Eve could never know that distinction as God understood it. If they had passed the test, they well may have come to realize it in a righteous way. However, they failed the test, and the rest is history. You and I know good and evil, but from our own perspective. This is why if you look at modern surveys, or if you could go out into a city street and to just ask random bystanders, tell me, is, um, is homosexuality wrong? Is it good or bad? Right, right or wrong? You're going to get a whole wide variety of answers. You're also going to get a whole wide variety of answers for not just that sin, but everything from drinking, smoking, cursing, gambling. Um, how about uh, uh, pornography or pride or lust or greed or, or, or even just the different religions and all these different thoughts? What is good? What is evil? You see, in our perspective of good and evil is that we get good and evil all mixed up because now we have spiritually blinded eyes, spiritually hardened hearts. Therefore, this is like throughout the Scripture we see many of the, the same Pharisees who um, saw Jesus but yet did not see Jesus, who heard Jesus yet did not hear Jesus. And how about the same today? That those who look and logically would go, how could you not see that this deed or this action or this thought well, this motive is evil. Clearly it's evil, logically, morally, biblically. And, and, and for them, it's just, are you kidding? I mean, when we have folks in our government and throughout our world and in our nation especially who applaud and say that abortion is health care, it's not health care. It's not health care when you kill and end a life. It's not health care even for the mom. It's not performing anything good for the mom. It's not doing anything good for her. And we see the issue of our day. We know good and evil from the sinner's perspective. God sees the good and evil from God's perspective. You and I, in our fallen nature, are not able to see the things that God is able to see, certainly. Right? Who has known His mind? Who has given Him counsel? Right? Who, who has done this? None of us have. Nevertheless, you and I get this all mixed up because of sin. We get good and evil all miscombobulated, misconstrued. And we see the truth that it only takes a little falsehood to turn, to turn the truth into a lie. Let me ask you, tonight, how many of you would keep showing up for Bible study if you believed that Pastor Joe was preaching 99.7% truth? I'm not coming, <laughs> right? We'll use Germex that says 99.9, .9, right? Won't we? We're talking about eternal things here. We're talking about eternal things. Let me, let me put it maybe to a, maybe a little bit easier perspective here. If I walked around tonight and had a big old bowl of M&M's, peanut M&M's, right? even the good ones, all right? And there were a thousand peanut M&M's in this big old bowl. But there were, out of a thousand... 20 of them that if you ate them, you would immediately die, right? 
What would you would you reach a hand in there? Get a handful? No, no. I would like to think not. As good as peanut M and M's are, you, you, I don't know if you're going to risk that or not. Uh, <laughs> I, I, even I'm not risking that. See, this this is the world in which we're in. This is what what sin does: is that it only takes a little bit of false to make something a lie. Even if it is 99% true, the 1% lie still makes it a lie. How about this? You and I, we tell the truth most of the time. Right? But if we don't tell the truth all the time, then what will we still call ourselves? Liars, right? Absolutely. And Eve's response here, and we'll be done tonight. I want to give this to you because it's very simple. It's nothing new here. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. It says, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also to her husband. One commentator puts it in her second response here, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, her imagination and feelings were completely one, and the fall of Eve was soon followed by that of Adam. The history of every temptation of every sin is the same. The outward object of attraction, the inward commotion of mind, the increase and triumph of passionate desire, ending in the degradation, slavery, and ruin of the soul. But what, what words are those? Man. Sorensen puts it so, so rightly here. There's an interesting sequence here in fashion remarkably similar to 1 John 2.16 in its description of the world. Eve saw the tree was good for food. She succumbed, she succumbed to the lust of the flesh. Then she realized it was pleasant to the eyes and succumbed to the lust of the eyes. Finally, she perceived it was a tree to be desired to make one wise. In so doing, she succumbed to the pride of life. The world's system of ungodliness, sin, and disobedience based on rebellion had its roots in the very Garden of Eden. The tree was tempting. It had evident value as food. It was attractive to the eye. And it seemed to be the end thing to do. Even the serpent thought it was a good idea. Eve, therefore, was tempted as she was drawn away of her own lust and enticed. That lust conceived and she brought forth sin. The simple, the simple sin in the Garden of Eden was nothing more than disobedience prompted by rebellion, enticed by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. You can read, for sake of time tonight, we won't, but you can mark down it and underline First um, John 2.16 and James chapter 1, uh, verses 14 and, and 15 to help you out to see that it is our own lust that draws us away, but it is the lust of the eyes and the flesh and the, and the pride of life. It always has been. This is what Satan has always used. Satan has yet to change his tactics because man has not really changed, has he? Man still works and operates the same. If man sees something and it looks good, what does he do? He wants it, right? I have a, I have a nice truck. I love my truck. It's really nice because it's paid for. That's especially why it's nice. Since the salt over the, the wintertime, I've got some new rust spots, right? My bumper looks like Mater from cars, right? It's just nice and rusties, okay? But it's mine. However, Cammie will tell you, there will be many times I'm driving down the road and I see a, a blacked out, lifted uh, GMC or, or Chevy. It's normally one of those two. Sorry if you not want it, It's no particular thing, but it, they just look good. And I see the blacked out trail boss and all the trimmings and all that stuff. And I go, oh, man, whew, look at that thing, right? That looks good. What a good looking truck. Why? Because if we see it, we like it, we want it, 
I'm never going to have that truck, right? Right? Unless, unless, right? But don't care to have it. I've got a free truck. Well, it's not free. It's paid for now. But, <laughs> but now it's it's free except for gas, right? And tags and titles and all that all that fun stuff. But nevertheless, we always see something that we we want. We have not changed in that regard. How about the lust of of the the flesh? Right? She saw that she was good for food, right? It's pleasant to the eyes. Desire to make one wise. Sin always builds upon sin. The, the, the lust is not just of an outward, but it is always of an inward and an outward. It is our, our minds begin to wander and to think, you know, I really need that. Or, you know, I, I deserve this. Or I, I've been good. Or, or, or everyone else is doing it. We justify it. And our heart believes, you know, yeah, yeah, that's right. Long before anything else happens. I've said this before. Long before physical adultery takes place, the mind and the heart has already been gone. Right? Long before any other sin that you name that has any sort of outward action behind it, the mind and the heart has already been enticed and affected. So we see here tonight, and this is how we're going to end, Eve's failures. There are many who would like to say, well, Eve was innocent. She didn't do any wrong. Well, she, she did. She disobeyed. She knew God's law. She even added to God's law. However, the... the Fall of man does not happen because Eve falls. The fall of man happens because Adam falls. And we're going to see that next week, okay? But tonight, Eve's failures are this. One, she takes and eats out of lustful disobedience. That's the first one. And that's the first one for Adam as well. It's the first one for all of us. Two, she failed to take God at His word, but she failed to take it seriously as she should have. It's the same thing that you and I do and every other sinner has ever done is that we do not take God near as seriously as we should. We don't take sin as seriously as we should. We don't take God as seriously as we should. He's not near as holy in our mind and sin is not nearly as bad. And that's the issue of sin. It's a wrong view of God. To have a wrong view of God means that you're going to have a wrong view of everything else. Your sin, yourself, your circumstance, everything will be messed up. Third, she fails as a wife and mother of all living things. Now, this is where some folks might get a little tight in the collar, but that's okay. She fails. She fails as a wife. How do you know she fails as a wife? She turns and gives to her husband. It's not good. She shouldn't have been eating herself, let alone turning and going, well, you do it too. We'll get to Adam next week. Don't you worry, ladies, okay? She fails as a wife and a mother as well. And we'll see that as we get into chapter 4 some more. But she fails as a mother in the sense of all living things that she too was to make sure, along with Adam, to, to keep things nice and pure and be fruitful and multiply others who would do the same thing. To be fruitful and multiply and to bring others who would obey God. Fourth, she fails as the helpmeet that she was designed to be. She was designed to help Adam accomplish these things, to encourage Adam, to, to be there with Adam and for Adam. And lastly, and this is another one that makes folks tighten the collar, but she leads where she was not meant to lead. Eve took the leadership role in this little passage and she was never meant to do so. Now, part on the other side of that coin is that Adam was meant to lead. Adam was meant to do the talking. Adam was quiet. Adam did not stand up to the serpent. 
He did not stand up for his wife. He did not protect her or provide for her. We're going to see more of that. But she led when she was meant to submit to her husband. And we're going to see next week how both of these fail as husband and wife, father and mother. It brings it back to this whole point why we spent so much time in chapter 2 dealing with the home. What does Satan attack? Well, he attacked with Eve the foundation of who God is and what God has said. But he also attacks what God has established. And the first thing that God establishes is marriage, biblical marriage, and the biblical home, the biblical roles of male and female, the biblical roles of husband and wife and father and mother. Satan attacks the very foundation. Why? Because if the foundation crumbles, so does everything else. And this is important. Because you and I must understand that today, Satan is still doing the same thing. He is attacking God's Word, but because God is God, His Word has continued to be preserved over these years, century after century, translator after translator, missionary after missionary, pastor after pastor, Little farm boy after little farm boy who has a copy of God's Word. Praise the Lord for that. However, Satan continues to attack God's Word, but he continues to attack God's home. And what do we find in the United States of America? And here's a quick little history lesson. 120 years. What we have done is we have allowed the Word of God to be, I'm not talking about just taken out of schools, but it was denied as true and infallible and inerrant and sufficient the moment that we accepted Darwinian evolution, the religion, and it is a religion. The moment that we accepted evolution, not as a theory, but teaching in our schools as religion, as equal, because it is a religion. It is a, the, the beginning and sort of a foundation of much of, what, much of what we see today. But then, as well, you fast forward, we lose the foundation of God's Word, and then we have lost the foundation of what the home was meant to be. And everyone in this room here tonight has been alive to watch that happen. Slowly but surely. And now it seems faster and faster. Where now we have, according to science, if you will, there's no more genders, there's no more sexes, there's no more... I mean, everything's just a free-for-all. Not only that, but then then there's no more distinction between role of husband and wife, male or female. So everything is just gone. And when we find that we lose the foundation of trusting and believing and obeying God's Word, and we lose the foundation of the family unit that follows, obeys, and trusts God's Word, here's where we are. This is the evil fruit of the evil tree of disobeying God and what He has said. Let's pray for our nation. Let's pray for ourselves. And let's make sure that we do what God has said to do. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this night. Grateful for the opportunity to study your word. Uh, Lord, uh, while we see how Satan tempts us, and he always has and he always will in such a way, God, we know his tactics and we know our failures and we know our, our shortcomings. We know the way in which we so easily fall. I pray, God, that you would help us to be strengthened, to stand upon your word, to stand upon what you have de- declared to be so important, the, the family unit that, that stands upon your word and that that is ruled by your word. God, I pray that we would um, be guided by it, strengthened by it. Lord, help us to be obedient to you in all things. And Lord, that in these dark days, God, that we would stand for what you have said is true and right and just and pure and holy and what is right in this world and how we are to be governed and operated. 
God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us um, in our own homes, in our own hearts today, to say yes to you and to reject sin, to fight the battle of sin, and Lord, to confess our sin and to know and trust that you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I pray that you would go with us now, help us to meditate on your word, to think about these things, Lord, to desire to go deeper with you, Lord, so we might see the way in which sin affects us, but Lord, as well, so that we might see and rejoice the fact that one day we shall be delivered from this body of sin and death. And Lord, that we might know you and rest in you and be made uh, glorified uh, to enjoy you forever, God. And we long and look forward to that day. Lord, we are grateful for this night and I pray that you would uh, help us now and keep us safe till we may meet again. In Jesus' name, amen.